Welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I'm Stephen, your host. Very briefly, this episode, we talk with Dr. Jontel Pierce. She is an alumnus of the Howard University College of Medicine. She currently runs Mind Neurology Clinic. She is a neurologist. And in this episode, she talks about her when and why that she chose to go into the specialty of medicine. She's going to describe briefly her experiences during residency and her transition to starting her own private practice. We wrap up the episode by talking about the Black MD app that Dr. Pierce started along with her brother, who is a medical student recently matched. With that being said, we absolutely have to reach out to all the incredible medical students that are finishing up their fourth year of medical school. Congratulations to those of you that matched. I really enjoyed seeing the celebrations on Instagram and social media. Um, I know there's some of you out there that may not have matched. Just remember this is a, a momentary setback and take the time to get the help that you need. There's episodes of this podcast you can look at where the guest talk about their experiences with the match that they didn't match initially and ended up working out and finding other avenues to continue on with their success. Without further ado, here's a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Picmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Picmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Picmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professions. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Picmonic, you can study less, but remember more. An extra special shout out to Go Clove as part of their sponsorship of this show. For a couple of months, they're actually providing a free pair of their Clove healthcare sneaker to each one of the guests that we have on the show. Hello, I'm Stephen, host of the Black Doctors Podcast, here to talk about Clove. Clove is a sneaker specifically designed to meet the needs of healthcare professionals. I have a pair and I love how comfortable these shoes are, especially since I'm on my feet all day as an anesthesiologist. These shoes are perfect for the operating room because they are extra grippy and super easy to wipe clean at the end of the day. Purchase any pair of Clove shoes and compression socks at checkout. Use the code BDPXCLOVE to get your socks for free. A $22 discount just by listening to the show. The Black Doctors Podcast highlights the stories of minority professionals with the goal of inspiring others. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others because the next generation can't be what they don't see. Tune in every Monday to hear our stories told by us. Hello and welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I'm Stephen, your host. So excited to be speaking with you again this week. A very special guest. A fellow alumnus of the Howard University College of Medicine, Dr. Jontel Pierce, is here with us today. Jontel, welcome to the show. Thank you. And you graduated. We were just catching up because it's been some time. You graduated a couple years before me. Um, after that, you went to St. Louis University, where you specialized in neurology and then moved to Texas to practice. You are the first neurologist we've had on the show. So definitely awesome. excited to, to hear about this incredible specialty. So um, I went to Howard University. During my medical school there, I figured, you know, I was trying, we all was trying to look and see what we wanted to do. And neurologists seemed interesting and complex and always been interested in like the brain and how it works. 
and ultimately did a rotation um, at Howard University and decided to um, pursue it. So I went on to SLU, um, St. Louis University in St. Louis, Missouri. Did four years there, great experience, big stroke program there, as well as a um, neuromuscular program. So I had a lot of hands-on experience that helped me in my career today. Right now, um, well, in 2016, I moved to Houston, Texas, and I was doing a lot of neurohospitalist work. And um, with that, we do a lot of stroke call, um, emergency calls, bleedings in the brain, epilepsy, those type of things. So I gained a lot of experience. It was fun, but I wanted to pursue like outpatient care, kind of open up my own practice. So about a year later, opened up my own practice in Sugarland, Texas, which is right, right outside of Houston, and just begin, been growing since then. I do a lot of different procedures there, like EGs and nerve conduction studies, and I still keep up my inpatient skills by working in the hospital every so often, a couple shifts a month, and ultimately having a good time. Um, going to open a second office in Katy. Oh, wow. Um, hopefully in a week or so. It's um, just getting everything ready. And things have been good. I know that people get kind of scared about opening up their own practice, but it's been pretty, pretty good so far. Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning. So when did you decide that you wanted to become a physician? Well, I was actually, I remember I was in kindergarten and I went to a field trip to a, um, I think it was called Shriners Hospital mm-hmm. in Shreveport, Louisiana. And I saw the pediatric patients and cancer patients. And I kind of was like, hey, this is what I want to do. And I just love being there, love being in the hospital setting. And I just wanted to take care of patients. So <laughs> even at that young age, I figured this is what I want to do. So ultimately, that's what I did. Gotcha. And you ended up at the Howard University College of Medicine. You mentioned yes. you you did your neurology rotation. That's where you fell in love with it. So when you went to medical school, were you thinking about neurology or what were you leaning towards? No, I was actually thinking about orthopedic surgery. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, a big difference. So some reason that's what I wanted to do because I was an athlete in high school. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of what track. Sports? I did a little bit yeah. of yeah, track, um, basketball. And in college, I did like a year of track as well. So I was big on like sports and things like that nature. Even as a little kid, I used to always follow like the basketball players. I was, like, I was a tomboy. So I wanted to go into that. Then I went to, you know, did the rotations and I kind of didn't want to, the lifestyle is not what I wanted. So yeah. ultimately, and I felt like I didn't want to cut up on people. <laughs> so, so that's why I chose neurology. So that's a big decision point for a lot of people. You want to be in the yeah. operating room or, or do you not? As you were going to the match process, because neurology, correct me if I'm wrong, you're, some programs you do an intern year that's separate from the correct. three-year residency. Can you explain mm-hmm. that? Yeah. So basically with neurology, they do have some programs where you do the internship first and then you do um, you enter to the neurology program. And through the match, I think uh, some of those programs kind of hooked you up with both. And then the one I went to, it was all together. So it was technically, we as soon as we entered residency, we were in a neurology program. So we still did a medic, medic, medical internship, but we were still in the neurology program from day one. 
So I think um, when you match, you do two separate matches. I think it was like you can either do one internal medicine somewhere and for a year and then three years somewhere else for the neurology residency. Gotcha. Yeah. And a lot of people with situations like that, you know, the, the strategy is either you match both at the same place. So you don't have to move mm-hmm. twice or, you know, you'll stay where you are for internship and then go to your neurology residency um, or some people want to move. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's pretty much, you know, up to people's choice. So I decided to just do it all in one and just be done with it <laughs> instead of doing all that moving. Yeah. So, so tell us about your experience as a neurology resident. What type of rotations did you go on? We did a lot. So initially, like the first year, of course, a lot of internal medicine. The second year was our first year doing neurology um, stuff. And we would rotate in stroke, stroke call, a stroke rotation where we um, saw like thrombectomies because SLU was real big on thrombectomies, mechanical thrombectomies. And we also rotated in neurocritical care. Mm -hmm. So that deals with a lot of acute patients like myasthenic patients who are in a myasthenic crisis, uh, intracranial hemorrhages, large strokes, anything that's, yeah, status epilepticus where they have seizures that can't stop. So we did a lot of rotations during that time or during those things. And then we did general neurology, which is kind of anything people can come for dizziness and then all the way to having a seizure versus having an old stroke. So that was the general neurology floor, which is pretty much a little bit of everything. Um, The way they did it was the internal medicine team admitted and we were just consulted. So we didn't have to like do all that mission and all those things. I don't think from what I remember. I know now in private practice, I don't do any admissions. I just am consulted. It's it's funny how that shakes out because, you know, your your residency is whatever it is in that mix of yeah. inpatient and outpatient. How much uh, or what was the percentage you think of, of inpatient versus outpatient training you got in residency? Oh, yeah. I would think mostly it was there. It was mostly inpatient. Hmm. We were mostly in the ward. We were mostly in the hospital. Outpatient, that was like, when we had outpatient, everybody was like happy because you have regular hours, (laughs) (laughs) holidays off, weekends off. So that was like very scarce. I don't remember having a lot of outpatient stuff. (laughs) It may have been like four weeks out of the year or something like that, or maybe eight weeks at most. And then after residency, so you moved to Texas, you said you you practiced as a neuro hospitalist? Yes. So basically... Yeah, so basically, um, I was working. Um, anyone's familiar with Houston? I was outside of Houston, like in Conroe, Texas, and we just see all the inpatient neurology consults. So if someone calls and like, oh, this patient is having um, abnormal vision, or we, it's just so broad what we can see. Mm-hmm. Just anything, like they'll call us about strokes and epilepsy and. Dementia. Oh, that's a big one. Memory, memory problems. Okay. Confusion. <laughs> <laughs> so like the bulk of it, you're going to see a lot of confusion. Like people are like, oh, they have confusion and come see them, come evaluate. So that's pretty much what it is. Then usually with neurohospitals work, you have shifts. So people who like to just work and then be off when they're just be completely off, they have like seven days on, seven days off or 14 days on, 14 days off. 
So during those off times, you don't have to do any like clinical work. Oh, wow. Um, but during the time you just like the seven days you're on, you just do like you come in, you see the patients. If any emergencies, you might have to come in overnight. But otherwise, it's pretty um, it's pretty cool. Let's uh, I'm ask you some tough questions. Let's see. Mm-hmm. So at Twitter on Twitter, they're always talking about getting called on an airplane. You're the physician on an airplane and it's a medical emergency. So say you're on a flight over the Atlantic Ocean, somebody has a seizure. Now, this is not medical advice, uh, caveat. Mm-hmm. But right. what would a garden variety uh, physician or healthcare provider be able to do for a patient having a seizure on an airplane? Yeah, ultimately, just turn them to the side to make sure they don't like aspirate or choke on anything and then keep them clear of any like any way of hurting, hurting or harming themselves. And hopefully have some Ativan. All right. Good. Good <laughs> Otherwise, it's not really much you can do. <laughs> gotcha. So what about uh, suspected stroke on an airplane? Stroke, definitely need to land the airplane. Oh, if you're on the, over the ocean. Um, like with neurology stuff, it's literally not much to do. If they're having a stroke, the only thing we have is like TPA, mm-hmm. which is the clot bu- um, busting medication, people call it, where they give it within three hours of the stroke. And then we have um, interventional stuff where we go in and bust the uh, clot through the through the veins. Um, you give aspirin or anything, or is that? Yeah, we give aspirin. I mean, it helps, but it's not like most likely it's not going to do much. But you, if you have aspirin, yeah, you can give like because we usually give three twenty five milligrams. Mm-hmm. So I guess that would equal about four or five baby aspirins. Oh, so they got to take a lot of pills, and now they probably stroke, so they might be yeah, aspirating. If you, if you, and... <laughs> yeah, if you well, if you if you have a stroke, then definitely, if you don't have any other resources, aspirin would be the best bet. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, there's really nothing else you can do if you don't have any resources. Okay, they just they're just going to stroke out, unfortunately. Man, so what if uh, if you're over land, like you would have them uh, land at the nearest airport? Like, what's the time frame that we're we're dealing with? Oh, you're dealing with. Usually six hours. So between the stroke onset and like six hours, you, there's there can be intervention that's done. So as long as you get to like a stroke center by that time, the sooner the better. Gotcha. Because um, the longer you wait, the more brain tissue. That's I appreciate dying. that because I'll sit on the airplane and sometimes I Google this stuff just to look, you know, <laughs> so my man, so I know what I'm, I need to do. But I yeah, just tell that. them to land immediately. <laughs> So, Dr. Pierce, you practiced as a hospitalist for a little bit, and then you decided to step out, hang a shingle, and open your own practice. Back in 2018, mm-hmm. you started Mind Neurology. Can you talk about your practice? Yeah, so I'm I'm a general neurologist. So that means I see, see a variety of um, conditions. Right now, solo practice, pretty small practice as far as like staff. I do have a billing staff. I have two front desk people and... Um, marketer, marketing person. Um, basically, day to day, I come in around 9, 9.30, see about 10 patients, um, leave about 3.30 or so, follow up on a lot of the medications and paperwork. Paperwork is a big part of private practice. And yeah, typically I would see a lot of, in outpatient setting, a lot of migraines, people complain of memory problems. I see that a lot. And then like, concerns for like seizures and um, Parkinson's. see a lot of Parkinson's. Gotcha. So like a variety of stuff. And so how big is your, yeah, how big is your patient panel? 
roughly? I think I probably right now have a, at least 3,000 oh. on my EMR. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You could tell. So I, as an anesthesiologist, I deal with usually one patient at a time, you know, maybe up to four right. if I'm supervising. So, geez. Yeah. How, so how did you build your practice up? Like you, you started and, and where did the patients come from? I started, what did I do? I used to do a lot of things. So I did like a mail out where you can go to post office and you can send out like thousands of mailings and flyers uh, through the post office. And it's really not that expensive. I think it was like a few hundred dollars. Um, so you can make flyers and make sure they want it to like fit like their postcard thing. And then you just pay them for the um, postage and they'll just send it out for you. So I did that. I did um, local magazines about uh, ads from the local magazines. Um, social media was uh, Facebook. I had created a page on Facebook and did some Facebook ads and um, Google ads. So Google's really a good source for anybody trying to start off because that's what mainly patients go to. Mm-hmm. They're looking, oh, nearest doctor to me, a nearest neurologist or, you know, epilepsy doctor, or stroke doctor. So you just find those keywords that they are looking for and you put that in your social media ads and they come to your site. And hopefully book an appointment. Hmm. Yep. And then have a lot of good reviews, of course, that makes people want to book appointments. So that's the main thing. I tr- And then I, I did walk around to, I used to go to different offices and just give my flyers out and say, hey, I'm in the neighborhood. If you need a neurologist, went to urgent cares, went to freestanding ERs, um, gave my flyers. And um, they became a good referral source. And did a little bit of workers' comp as well with the local. That's how I got into workers' comp because I went to urgent care and another fellow doctor, um, Mocha doctor, was there. And she was like, hey, do you want to do workers' comp? I can send you a lot of patients. And I was like, hmm. oh, yeah, sure. Why not? So um, she started sending me patients. And then I kind of expanded and had more patients sending referrals and workers' comp insurances sending me um, patients. Gotcha. So look, looking back over the last couple of years, are you happy you stepped out on your own and started your own practice? Yeah, I definitely love it because, um, of course, I was approached by, definitely starting out, I was approached by um, different hospitals, like needing a neurologist and wanted me on their team. But I would ask them, I was like, can I do part-time? Um, and they'll be like, hmm, no, we're just looking for full-time. So my main thing was, making my own schedule because I do have, you know, two children and I just like making my own schedule and being able to take off when I want to take off. So that was the main reason for me to branch off. And I just like having my own rules as far as like how I want to treat my patients, how I want my practice to run. And I don't want to be like dictated by anybody else telling me, you need to do this. You need to meet this this metric or you need to hmm. you need to be on call tomorrow or blah 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 and I need to submit PTO or whatever. <laughs> like I didn't want to deal with none of that. So it's kind of being like a freedom type thing. Yeah, that's awesome because I feel like the the misconception is if you start your own practice you're you have more liability and you're more locked down and, and it seems like it's the opposite where you have more freedom to do yeah. whatever you want. You're you're making money. You're not homeless. So very exactly, nice house. Exactly. See, so. <laughs> as long as, yeah. It's meeting, meeting the ends meet. So 
I'm good. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Pierce, you're, and you're, where is your office located? It is in uh, Sugarland, Texas, and I have one in Katy, Texas. All right. And it's the Mind Neurology Clinic. So definitely mm-hmm. check her out. Um, visit her on her website, uh, which is mindneurology.com. Yes. Dr. Pierce, in addition to the services that you're offering to the good folks in Sugarland, Texas, mm-hmm. you have a passion for the underserved. We realize yes. that Black Americans face healthcare disparities that are, are higher and higher rates than other people groups in America. And you obviously graduated from Howard University, where <laughs> we learn so much of that history. Right. You stepped out, and in an effort to help, you created Black MD, which is an app. Can you talk about that? Yes. Yeah, so um, during the pandemic, when a lot of things were going on, you know, you had like George Floyd and a lot, Breonna Taylor, a lot of the, you know, cop, you know, killing these um, innocent black people. Then it was like a, it was like a big movement at that time. So in 2020, I saw, I had a lot of patients and I had a lot of um, people just ask me on a regular basis, like, do you know any black doctors around here? Do you have any recommendations for a dermatologist or, you know, just various um, physicians and, I wanted to create like a centralized app where people can just go on the app and look for a physician, look for a black physician. So just to make it easier. So we're still, you're still growing. But yeah, that was the main reason for that um, was just to create a resource for um, black patients. So how did you take this from a concept to a reality? So I actually, I was working with my brother as well. He's a, um, medical student at Columbia. He's going to finish this year, actually. So we were, he knows somebody. He knew somebody What's his name? You got to shout him out. Oh, Jalen Dansby. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Dansby. That's my little brother. He's going to be an orthopedic surgeon. So we kind of got together and he knew an app developer and we um, got with him. He created like the, the app prototype. And then since then kind of in ongoing development, trying to get it, you know, right for the consumer. Good. And what's the end concept? People can go on and sign up for a, a physician of color? Yes. So basically, it's like a Google for Black physicians. So um, it, Black physicians and Black medical providers. So basically, they can download the app on Google Play or the App Store and then look by location and by specialty of a, um, the doctors that are listed on the app. Gotcha. What and locations? See all the information. What'd you say? What locations do you have currently? Currently, main ones are in Texas. So we have a lot of Texans who are on the app, and we're trying to branch out to the East Coast and then finally the West Coast. How can people get involved, and how does one make their way onto the Black MD app? Yeah, so all you have to do, um, you can either go to blackmdcares.com, you can click on download the app, and it'll take you to either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or you can just go to the App Store, Google Play, and um, search for Black MD or Black MD Cares. Download the app, and then it should ask you if you're a medical provider. And then once you say that, then you'll be able to fill out a profile, a medical provider profile, and um, it'll come to one of the administrators to approve um, based on your credentials. So it's pretty easy um, to do. And then if you're on the patient side, 
you just download the app and then you can just search for a provider near you. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing this. If you're out there, you're in a, a physician or healthcare provider, please do. And you meet the demographic, please check out blackmdcares.com where you can get signed up and have your face and, and your information on this application to reach other patients that look like us. Right. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Dr. Pierce, uh, thank you for coming on the show. We've learned so much about the field of neurology. We've learned about yourself as an entrepreneur times two and private <laughs> practice owner. What would you say for medical students out there that perhaps haven't considered neurology, maybe their first or second years, or have yet to really practice in the field or go on a rotation? Um, it's definitely something that you should be passionate about. If you like dealing with a lot of different variety of things, dealing with the brain, then I'll definitely say um, neurology. Because a lot of the um, diagnoses are, can be a mystery and they're not always clear cut. Like dementia is not a clear cut diagnosis. Like some people may have a mixture of Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. It's just one of those things that isn't clear cut as say like diabetes or anything like that. Also, Another thing is that most of the conditions are not curable. So that you need to be aware of that too. It's not something where you can be like, oh, well, I fixed this person. Like with surgery, you make him fix somebody. But with neurology, it's more of, it's probably ongoing care, lifetime care for mm -hmm. a person. So you'll be dealing with patients for a very long time. That's good. Like the same patient for a very long time. Well, Dr. Pierce, um, thank you so much for coming on the Black Doctors podcast and sharing your You're incredible welcome. specialty because uh, representation matters. Yes, definitely. The Black Doctors podcast is a nonprofit volunteer passion project with the goal of inspiring all who listen. If you enjoy listening, tell a friend about the show or share a link on social media. We are a small team and can use all the help we can get. You can reach us at the Black Doctors podcast on Instagram or at Stephen Bradley MD on Twitter or Instagram. Tune in next week for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast because representation matters.